We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. There's no turning away from this. And and there's no turning away from the fact that this is not, you know, a one-time event. It's This is the type of thing that we're now seeing periodically. And I was following, um, it's, not, it's not just... You know, police brutality either. I was following the Ahmed Arbery case really closely as, as well, and, and obviously Breonna Pat Taylor and all the other cases. So it's just undeniably um, a pattern at this point and something that's um, systemic and, and institutionalized. And, and so, um, you know, it's moved a lot of people. And sometimes you don't know how to react. You don't know what to do. And, and uh, that's why I think protest is, is so important. So you know, there's always one person who, who protests first and then others who follow and, and then it becomes a movement and then it becomes uh there becomes real momentum so you know seeing people um take to the streets and and, and seeing people um stand up and seeing people raise their voice it it, it does create a, a real momentum in in the country that cubs president theo epstein that give and take and more occurred on the Lawrence Holmes show on Friday. And the namesake of that show joins us on the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Here on the score, the host from 12 to 2 on the score, Lawrence Holmes. Lawrence, how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm doing all right today. How are you guys doing? Well, I am. Um, I'm going to thank you in over the broadcast airwaves for you rousing me with your emotional, your emotional statements, your emotional um, monologue a couple Mondays ago. It roused me from, showed me where I wasn't, and I'm attempting to get there. So I'm doing better because of you. Thanks. Well, thank you. I mean, I I hope that. Anyone that heard me, I was I was talking about how I was on like this emotional roller coaster. That if they took something that made them act out of it, or even think a little bit about what their actions are all about, then it's all good with me. I'm I'm glad that there were people that responded, understanding that that that's a very vulnerable position to be in. And having the room to be able to express yourself that way is important to me. And I'm, I'm glad that if, if I was able to speak for some people that maybe felt like their voices weren't heard or was able to reach some people that to this point haven't been reached, then, then that's a good thing. 
Yeah, it was important for you, as you said, but it, I think it was important for all of us to hear and to hear your perspective. And we are, Lawrence, we're also looking forward to hearing you and actually seeing you tomorrow night on NBC Sports Chicago when you will be hosting something of a roundtable, a Zoom, presumably, um, 7 o'clock, Race in America, a candid conversation. What can we expect from this? Well, we, we sat down with some Chicago athletes, and we're really, really great. And I, I want to thank everyone involved uh, w- with the project, um, John Shipman and, and Danny, Danny Wasaki and, and Sarah Locke for all their hard work on helping to put it together. So what it was is we had Jason Hayward, Sam Acho, Thad Young, and Allen Robinson. And we sat there for about, you know, 45 minutes and talked about how they're feeling, like we, what, what they think of what they're seeing, and then kind of where they think the next steps are. And I appreciated, one, in this particular case, just being mostly a moderator, that I'm amplifying their voices and, and allowing them to talk about their experiences because it's clearly there's similarities, but it's going to be different than mine. You know, those guys are a lot younger than I am. They're seeing things from a different perspective. They also have the, the added weight of, of being athletes in Chicago and, and people expecting them to speak out on things of this nature. And I just think that with those guys, I think people are going to be very impressed with how thoughtful they are. But I also think that it's going to allow for folks to see things from a point of view that maybe they haven't. One of the things that I was interested in in talking with those guys, because this happens a lot when we talk about um, issues of, of race and issues of privilege, asking those guys about the idea that they make so much money that they aren't living a black experience and nothing could be farther from the truth, that there's no amount of money that's going to change the fact that you're black. There's no, uh, no amount of money that's going to, or, or prestige that's going to take you out of the black community or as Jason Hayward w- was talking about, he's still 6'5", 220, a, black, a bald black dude with a beard. So it doesn't matter how many millions he has. When people see him on, upon first blush, that's what they're thinking about. So having conversations like that, hearing those guys talk uh, very honestly about it was what our goal was. And I, I thought that, that each of those guys were – very raw and and i appreciate it the fact that you know you got jason hayward and and alan robinson to get the team representation on this and i think the only reason that we didn't get tim anderson is because he had a scheduling conflict when we were recording but the fact that those guys wanted to lend their voices to this conversation was dope so yeah it's tomorrow night on nbc sports chicago at seven o'clock a race in America, a candid conversation with those guys talking about a litany of issues. Lawrence Holmes is our guest. He hosts on The Score Monday through Friday from noon to 2. He told you about the show he'll be hosting on NBC Sports Chicago. And one of the critical parts of this moment for white people is to be educated. Listen, and you got two ears and one mouth. Use them in proper ratio. What parts of what we can expect to see tomorrow will be most educative? I think that, Rosie, the thing is, is just 
it's been amazing to me, sometimes frustrating to hear from people that didn't realize all of this stuff, that these were things that that being black in America, like that that we go through and we deal with. So just hearing the stories, I think, will will help to illuminate. And I and I will I will say that one of the things is also remember that you have the Internet available. That you don't have to phone a friend. That 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 you can actually go and do some of this research and and find out about things. Like there are a ton of people who I'm sure they're listening to us right now that are like, "What the hell is Juneteenth, and why is that now a thing?" Well, it's not just now a thing, but but it's 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 a celebration of the end of slavery. And honestly, I've never understood why it's not a national holiday. And I think that that maybe we're moving in that direction where you, you're starting to see companies start to add it to their holiday list and and closing offices for it. But it's OK for you to to go and look in some places, maybe read some authors that you've never read, like James Baldwin, for example, and and learn a little bit about like what the black experience is for your black brothers and sisters. And that's not James Baldwin, the ex-White Sox hurler. Correct. I don't think no, that we're talking no, about. <laughs> although, Actually, I re- although I reread that, Lawrence. I reread that. The fire next time. This is the, the fire. The next fire time. next time is amazing. And and I'll yeah. tell you this: Baldwin is one of my favorites, Rosie. I I'll never be the type of orator that he was, but I strive to be. And if you look at him being on just just Google James Baldwin, Dick Cavett. Like some uh-huh. of the stuff that he did on yeah. the Dick Cavett show, like really explaining in, in, in sometimes paint some painful truths about the black experience in America. I, I mean, I, I don't know how you don't come away from it being moved and seeing him debate some of the, the staunchest conservatives in, uh, uh, in, in political American history and seeing them him in some cases be able to bend those people with his words. That's a great place to start. It's not the only place, but that's a great place to start. Right. Do As you said, do the research, find a starting point. And then you also mentioned, Lawrence, where the next steps are. Were you able to get a consensus from your panel on where the next steps are? Or what do you think the next steps are? The, finding the consensus wasn't easy. I mean, everyone wants to – what I've – what I loved about talking with these four guys is that they all are trying to figure out how they can help in their own way. But the thing that cannot get lost in this is the concept of justice. Like that's what, what we're talking about. We're talking about police brutality and we're still seeing it's It's been amazing to me that in, a, in an era where so many people have cameras, so many people are filming these interactions. You would think that, police officers would be on their best behavior but what we've seen is there's there's been an uptick that there there's been scoffing and i think that that one of the biggest problems is the way that leadership of police unions the way that their type of rhetoric is dangerous and it's dangerous for police officers and i wish that the rank and file of those those unions would tell those guys if if they if they do believe that what those guys are doing is wrong to tell them to shut up 
because they make it like the idea of even the situation with Bobby Rush this week. The idea of oh well, you know those guys were just staying in the office and sleeping and making popcorn and coffee in his office because there were people there that wanted them there. They may have wanted you there, but they didn't want you sleeping on the couch and making popcorn and coffee when there there was all sorts of stuff that was going on in in on the south side and in Inglewood. It's stuff like that that it just it strains credibility, and I don't understand why more of of the the officers that don't want to be labeled as abusive or bad police officers. Don't make their voices heard louder. And I and I do get the, the, the sense of, well, they're probably afraid because those are the people that are supposed to be watching your back when you go into some of these dangerous areas. Well, if the guys that have the badge and the gun are scared of those guys, then what chance do the rest of us have? That's an excellent point. And the rest of the other guys there are, they don't want to be Frank Serpico. They don't want to be there going first and end up with a bullet in the head because they were set up that way. And that's right. an excellent, excellent point you make. The police are being more brazen and more blatant than ever in the cell phone era. They must believe they're bulletproof. They're protective. They have, they have their own constitution, essentially. And that's the way they're going about it. Of all the people who could use education, it would seem to be them, and that's where, that's where a lot of the, I don't know, police reform is just such an overused, badly executed term, but that's where it seems to need to go. But moving back to sports, Lawrence, we had a discussion before we brought you on. Robert Quinn was ta- sounded like a man who was frustrated that that the message that kept getting repeated wasn't getting across. And the message was getting across to Jordan Lucas, who 110%, he said he was going to kneel, that he was going to do that. I was in favor of the way Jordan Lucas was reacting, because I think the simple gesture, the simple message, the same message was better than changing it now, because I do think that helped foment this kind of momentum. Where do you stand on that? I'm I'm probably um, I'm on an opposite end of the spectrum uh, from you on this one. I think that it, it will become very easy for us, and it's happened over the last three or four days in sports media, to now just make it simple again. Of oh well, is this athlete going to kneel? And and that to me, it, it takes us back to a place where it it can become a very convoluted conversation that gets lost in what the the idea of the original movement that was started by Colin Kaepernick was about, that we need to be talking about police brutality and police reform. If athletes want to do it, I don't want to stop them from doing it. I Do whatever it is that you feel like will bring attention to it. But I think that it's become a very binary easy way for us to talk about race and sports of now asking football players well are you going to kneel well is this going to be something that happens in football games should roger goodell be kneeling should should the owners be out there too and it it gets away from where where i think the conversation should go and and i could be wrong and i'm okay with being wrong about that but i think that it will if it's done this way again it will make it very easy for folks to kind of pick up sides and, and say, oh, well, I'm against that. 
even so, even even if if they if they have the epiphany like Drew Brees apparently did after talking with his teammates that that the disrespect angle was never what it was about and and learning more about it when when you're saying that four years ago people didn't want to listen to you and and i think it would make it very easy and very binary for people that would divide us to divide us on that term so what if they did it differently what if they as i said earlier what if you know in the first quarter at the five minute mark second down at 13 everybody stops on that field and they kneel down for two minutes or five minutes to really get the point home or is that still defeating the purpose of of what you're saying are you saying we shouldn't even ask them about a former protest yeah i i think that that it it just it really dilutes the conversation down and i think that what you're seeing players do right now is they are getting involved like they're being as vocal as they can be they're being in their community they're telling you their stories, which was another thing that, about the show tomorrow night. Like, I didn't want it to be this trauma porn thing <laughs> where where those four guys are, are just telling you all of the terrible things that have happened to them throughout their lives because of stuff like this. And, and I made it clear to those guys at the beginning before we even started taping that that's what, not what this whole thing was about. But – in, in the venue of the NFL in particular, and, and, and notice, like, baseball players haven't been asked that question. Basketball players haven't been asked that question. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just a real easy way for us to put everything back in the box and say, oh, okay, so they're doing that thing again that, yeah. that TV networks ignored uh-huh. and, and pulled the cameras away from. Yeah. That's why, to me, it's it's important for guys to feel comfortable protesting, and I I do think that they are now in a space where they can talk more about the, their feelings and how they feel about what's happening in America. That's good, but it can't just simply be, is this guy going to kneel? And then kind of pointing out, oh well, this person on the team is kneeling, and this person isn't kneeling, and this person like that's. Uh. That's the, the, the thing that I were, I'm concerned about. Okay, Lawrence Holmes joins us here on The Score. This is Saturday Suckage, very un-Suckage-like because we're dealing with a serious um, serious issue and something that is we're getting straight talk from Lawrence, which I appreciate. So, Lawrence, let me extend that to what happened with the NBA Players Association last night, a conference call that seemed to be um, dominated by Kyrie Irving, and his suggestion was, we're not playing. Now, he's not going to play anyways. But he was, he was not about being in the bubble. He was not about playing. He was not about doing anything. Part of it was safety reasons. But he also said there was a, a social justice form of protest by not playing. And I thought, well, the NBA is the, most, most, the league most likely to give you the truth and to give you the platform to tell it. And that starts with the coaches and even some owners. And so if they don't play, if they take a Kyrie Irving suggestion and don't play, and that's their protest, are they missing out on the biggest platform they could have, especially if they're the, the only sport going? How do you feel about what Kyrie Irving was, was saying last night? 
I understand it. I think that it's probably on the extreme as far as how to protest, but this is this is what we were talking about with the the concept of kneeling. If there is going to be a show of power in a league that is predominantly black, wouldn't the power be we're not going to play for your entertainment while all of these things are still out there? That the idea of a diversion itself, there are not a lot of people inside. People of color are not given that option all the time to have a diversion that even on the court, still black. Like, that, you still have to deal with some of that. And as we've talked about, like, this is, this is a heavy conversation, right? Like, we've talked about how people are awakening to the idea of how a lot of these issues weigh heavily on their black brothers and sisters. Well, if we're going to allow for that to be a part of it, then you need to also understand the feeling of, I don't know if I feel like, like, smiling and going out and playing basketball especially under these circumstances where there are still protests in the street there's still a pandemic that we're dealing with that while the 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 fact that you're getting paid to do it is great but there are still limitations to how you feel and what you're going to put up with and and what you're going to try to work through I don't think that Kyrie's opinion is the majority of the NBA guys, and I still think that they have a lot of things to figure out about getting the game back and going, but I'm not going to dismiss it out of hand. Baseball also has a lot to to figure out before they get going, and I know that you talked to Theo Epstein, the Cubs president of baseball operations yesterday, and the part that I thought was most poignant and self-admitting on the part of Theo Epstein was when he actually used the words that he's hired too many guys that look like him, that he came out. He didn't he didn't try to soft pedal it at all like the rest of us do. Um, were you surprised by that? And do you think he is for real when he, he says that things need to change? Do you think he will change things? Look, it, it's it's difficult whenever you put your faith into people because you want to see them come through. And, and any time that there's been cha- incidents like this in American history, we always want to believe that things are going to get better, and then they, they seem to retreat to not getting better. With someone like, not even someone like, with Theo Epstein, I feel like I'm listening to a guy that is going to walk it like he talks it. The, the, him coming to the realization that baseball had become this this copycat league of front offices that were all trying to find him. They were all trying to find the 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 good-looking white Ivy League educated numbers guy who could probably run a hedge fund to crunch data and and run a baseball franchise. That was happening over and over again. If you start looking at the, the leadership of baseball teams, that is what people are going for. So it takes a, a ton of introspection to, to realize, well, wait, that's, that's what we're doing, and we shouldn't do it that way. Like we need to, I need to make some change. And that change starts with realizing how things are going and then 
saying, all right, how can we course correct? And him then being a central figure in baseball looking to donate money to causes that affect the fact like think about it this way had theo epstein six weeks ago come on the score and said black lives matter there would have been an uproar about just him making that statement so there has been movement uh, of the center uh, on this argument where not only did he come on the score and say it he came onto the score and said it proudly to the the score's only full-time black host and then said hold me accountable mm-hmm. on it and that's where i think that that guy has the potential to be a real change leader you know like he he's someone that has power understands how he can use that power and influence to make change and seems willing to make that change. So that I've always been a fan of his. I just think that he gets it on a lot of different fronts. And we all have blind spots and we have these biases. That, and and Groats, like this is what I was talking about with Ryan Pace, that if you look back to the 2017 draft, and I don't want to relitigate it, I just was trying to make this make this point that it's easy for Ryan Pace to see himself in Mitchell Trubisky. We need to get to a point where it would have been easy for him to see himself in Deshaun Watson. And that's the type of thing what I see with Theo, him understanding, yeah, there are people who have different backgrounds than I have that can be as good, if not better, in these positions, but I did what was comfortable for me hiring people who have a similar background as I do. It's now how do you get to the place of making sure that you're looking everywhere to try and find people that are think like you but don't necessarily look like you or understand your vision but are coming from it from a different perspective. So I have a lot of faith that he he will be true to he will be true to the attempt whether he's successful, I, I I hope so. But I'm glad that that guy seems to be on the right side of this. Do you think that's the difference between the paranoia rampant in football and a um, uh, much more open kind of state of mind in baseball? I think it's probably more specific to Theo. Because honestly, Rosie, like you talk to black players in baseball – They've been they've been terrified to talk about some of these issues because there aren't that many of them. Yeah. Um, and, and you look at the leadership inside baseball; they're not that many black men in charge of of baseball operations. There, when we start looking at even managers of color in baseball, there should be more Spanish speakers that manage baseball teams, and we don't have that. You know, like I. I look at the look at a, a guy like Ozzy and whatever you feel about Ozzy Guillen uh, as an actual baseball manager. The fact that he's not in baseball when we are now seeing a change in the population in baseball, where we're talking about a lot of players that are trying to find comfort in in playing the game and speaking to the media in a language that's not their own. 
a guy like Ozzie Guillen should be at the forefront of a baseball operation. Like, it's, it's stuff like that where it seems like a real easy solution to some of these issues. It's not just hiring one person. It's, it's understanding that there are changes. Like, with Spanish language in particular in baseball, how many people who cover baseball in Chicago speak Spanish or have a working knowledge of Spanish or could have a conversation with a player in their native language so that the nuance isn't lost? That's where we all need to do better. We all need to, like, whether it's learning more Spanish or hiring people that don't have that deficit that could also be good at covering the sport. No doubt. Uh, Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on the score. Loho Daily. And I'm looking at the the House of L podcast page right now. And I see episode 112, the equality of brutality. That looks like something worth listening to. Who do you have on in that particular episode, Lawrence? It's just me, Groats. I wanted nice. to, to talk. I wanted to talk more about. Uh, how the the protests and how we're seeing the equality of brutality play out. Like there used to be firewalls when it came to to violence in the streets that was being captured on camera, and we are seeing those firewalls fall every single day. Lawrence, thank you for your time. And terrific as always. Thanks for being available for us. Guys, thanks for the platform. Uh, the discussion tomorrow, 7 o'clock, NBC Sports Chicago, Race in America, a candid conversation with four Chicago athletes on these subjects. And uh, thank you for the support of it, and thank you for letting people know that it, it was going to happen. Noon to 2 on the score, Monday through Friday. Thanks, Lawrence. Be well. Be well, guys. See you, man. That's Lawrence Holmes. We uh, will take a break. We come back. And at some point this half hour, we need to do What Are You Doing, Wagner? Don't you think, Mark? We need oh, to do that. We yeah, we can't that. not we can't not do it. We need to do it. Top of the hour, we'll be talking with Bob Costas. He's scheduled to join us, and we're going to be talking about the Sosa McGuire documentary on ESPN, the current state of baseball. So between now and Bob Costas, we will uh, we'll do. What are you doing, Wegner? Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy, the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Trash Panda to play the What Are You Doing Wagner Open. Gotta have it. Because we were doing What Are You Doing Wagner. So we kind of, didn't we talk about that? Maybe he doesn't listen we to did. the show, Mark. 
I don't blame him. Yeah, I know. That's hey, you guys common... did talk about it, but we do it uh -huh. every week. I was trying to give it a rest. No, we don't. What That's how you build reliable furniture and radio. Okay, okay, fine. To done. Fletcher. Oh, what are you doing? He threw him out of the ball game. You gotta be beeping me. What in the hell are you doing? What are you doing, Wagner? You gotta be kidding me. That is so bad. That is absolutely brutal. That's incredible. That is unbelievable. I'll tell you what. They have got to start making guys be accountable. That is totally absurd. That just tells you he has blue. Here's an umpire in the American League knows nothing about the game of baseball. That's unbelievable. We have always had problems with this guy right here. There we go. What are you doing, Wagner? Part of the show on Saturday Suckage. What are you doing as we go through this pandemic? It's still here, whether you can go out or not. A lot of people quarantined, self-isolated. Now it really comes down to self-isolating because the pandemic is still here. Go mask up wherever you're going to be. And people are doing things and we're sort of collecting them. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. And Mark is putting a list together because no Wegner segment would be complete without starting with let me put a list together podcast about what so this week's list we will go into the studio and do a list on summer songs it's the best of summer songs on let me put a list together this week we hope you tune in i would i will i will just tell you the number one, my number one, and we'll have all sorts of great conversation, but to me, the best summer song of all time is Will Smith, Summertime. It has a wonderful vibe to it. It feels just right, and I know that Will Smith, there's a little bit of cheese with Will Smith, but man, that song is spot on, and then honorable mention for me would be Sublime. Is it doing time or is it summertime? I think it's, I'm not sure what the name <laughs> it's is. It's doing time. Doing time, yes, by Sublime. is just a wonderful, wonderful song as well. And it just makes you feel summer. So those are those are the two that I'll give away on the list. But it's a list of ten that we will build together. And then Brian and I, my, my podcast partner, will put together our own individual list too on Let Me Put a List Together. And Mark told uh, me and Trash Panda that we needed to come up with our summer song. So, Trash Panda, what did you come up with? I got a couple for you. Number one, this is, this is the first one that came to mind immediately for me. It's a song called Cake by the Ocean. I'm, I'm, yes. Yeah, I'm blanking on the name of the band right now for some reason. Cake by the Ocean. Um... You know what? Let me. It let sounds me like the I'm Fat podcast would have done that. It's one of the most overplayed songs of all time, but it's a great song. Oh, the summer that um, song came out was just like, oh, yeah. Every time that song's on, I'm turning it up. And it was my summer jam that year. It was awesome. Yeah, I think it's DMCE. Is that the name of the band? I'm yeah. Googling it right now. Yeah, DNCE. DNCE. Yeah. DNCE. Yeah. It's funny. Like, that's one case where the, the song is much more familiar sounding than the name of the band. DNCE is, is the name of it. And yeah, it's a 
It's a jolly, wonderful, double entendre filled song. Absolutely. I uh, this that's what the the idea of a summer song is what started the my overuse of the word bitchin' today, because that was in every high school yearbook, which was the the beginning of summer. You signed the yearbook, and and it was always always stay bitchin'. That's what you wrote to a bitchin' chick, and that's that's where the the word bitchin' became uh, on on fleek for me today. So I had two songs when you demanded answers, Mark. One is School's Out, obviously. That was That's the good. best part. See, I was, it, Alice Cooper had, it was a great song, and it goes way back. Kids, ask your parents about School's Out and what that song meant and how it resounded, and it was anthemic, and it still is. Uh, the, the idea that growing up in Southern California, it was always summer. But what was important was that there was no school. So that's why School's Out would be my number one summer song because it meant it was officially summer. And the other, if I had to pick a summer song, for me it was usually Surf and Safari. Tell the teacher we're on safari to stay. Beach Boys. So How does those it all oh, by two. the Beach Boys? Okay, yeah. how does that go? Can you sing a few bars, Steve, or would that be bad for everybody? Oh, it would be bad for everybody. Everybody's okay. surfing now. Everybody's learning oh, how to oh, come yeah, on safari yeah, no. with me. <laughs> yeah, everybody's waxing down their surfboard, so you just get going. So, as part of, we talked about Theo Epstein, and we will replay that um, Lawrence Holmes interview with Theo about an hour from now, and it was it was great. And and as opposed to us and Lee, and Lawrence just sort of paraphrasing what Theo said, the give and take with Lawrence and Theo, and what Theo had to say is. It, you can hear it in his words. We'll replay that. But remember, a couple of weeks ago, there was the Theo Epstein All-In Challenge, that raising money to to um, to to feed the feed you know Meals on Wheels, feed the hungry, and, and no kid, no kid hungry. And it was you get treated like royalty at a at a for a Cubs weekend, a, a hotel stay, VIP access, first pitch. It fetched. $80,000. It took a week. Mm. And that's what the, the bid, the, I wanted to, I did not want to leave that hanging out there. It fetched $80,000. That's By great. Way, we have, you know, we have, a, we talked about the trash pandas, which is how we learned all about our producer, Adam Studzinski. Raccoons. Yes, they are. And that, but that's a minor league, name of a minor league team, trash pandas. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another, and we may never get to see them because baseball the owners apparently don't ever want to play baseball again for any reasonable amount of time or any reasonable amount of money. But there is, we're hoping the baseball season starts and that this is a minor league team that survives so we can have another favorite team, the Yalls. The Florence <laughs> Yalls. No lie. This is it. The Florence Yalls. Why? Wow. Apostrophe A-L-L-S. Ugh. Of Florence, Kentucky. They were renamed in October after, as if the woodland creature, the trash pandas, wasn't odd enough. This team was named after a water tower. It is a water tower that stands between a mall and the and highways 71 and 75, and it reads, Florence, y'all. And y'all take care. We'll see you. Yeah, y'all. They are the Florence... 
y'alls. Where do we find better use of the apostrophe? Is it in y'all or is it in cap and crunch? Wow, that is excellent. That's really, As someone that, that uses the word or phrase y'all quite frequently, I have to say y'all. Okay. I just think that those are two very distinct uses. I, I don't know where, where else would the apostrophe really stand out in life other than those two? I might have to put, that might be next week's list on let me put a list together. Well, would you promise me this? If you can, you know, the use of the apostrophe, that's great. Don't do the Oxford comma. That won't appeal to anybody. The apostrophe is good. The, I I did have a suggestion for a list for you and Brian Mitchell at some point in time. Yeah, yeah. Privatized, best privatized. Best private eyes. In private investigators. Oh, my guy. Oh. My guy is Jim Rockford. He's got oh, his own so damn good. beach. He's got his own damn beach out right out there in Malibu. My guy is Jim Rockford, the coolest man ever. And I was thrilled when I found out he was a Raiders fan. Like He's I pretty was. cool, man. I don't so, know. I would put. I would. I would see that and match you with Telly Savalas, perhaps. He was a private investigator, right, Telly? No, he was a cop. He was a New no. York cop. No, I, I really got to do my research. Yeah. Okay. All when right. you said private eyes, I immediately like yeah. what, like Hall and Oates appeared in my cerebral. I know. All of a sudden, I know. I you know, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I that's why, okay. Private investigator. How about that? Which starts with an I, but isn't said private eyes. But okay, we'll do that. Okay. That'll be next week. There are a couple other things I want to get to in what are you doing, Wagner? That people have been doing, and this just blew me out of the water. I will. Um, I will come back with that, and we'll do a little more of this. We'll take a break right now. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Saturday Seconds, top of the hour. We're scheduled to visit with Bob Costas. So said McGuire documentary, Long Gone Summer. And uh, we'll talk with Bob about that and baseball's current state. In the meantime, there are a couple items, a couple things as we continue. What are you doing, Wagner? Mark, you're a fan of The Office, right? The movie, Honestly, the show, The Office. I no? I have not watched The Office. It's a it's a blind spot ooh, in my game. Sorry. Ooh, okay. I know the I'm show. A, all right. I'm a fan of The Office. I know. I know. I know. And, I know. And I'm a fan of the Grassroots. I love Midnight Confessions. I love the Grassroots. Rob Grill was the voice for me. It was a wonderful thing. I had no idea until this week, that there was someone who was in both. And the character's name is Creed Bratton. That's a professional name for William Schneider, the character Creed on The Office, who said almost nothing, turns out to be a rock and roller who helped form the original grassroots when they hit the charts with Midnight Confessions. And he is now back making music he wrote a song about the office characters and his new album slightly altered features a song called chan chu toad and if you're wondering what that is a jin chad or chan chu toad is also known as a money toad a money frog it is a popular feng shui charm representing prosperity the mythical creature is said to appear during the full moon near houses or businesses that will soon receive good news. I never imagined being a grassroots fan would lead me to 
the Chanshu Toad, and that one person could could be a part of both the grassroots and the office. Never imagined that. That is that is deep right there. Did you say that there is a character on the office named Creed? Yeah, that's the real name. Creed, well, that's the real made-up name. William okay. Schneider is his name. He changed it 50 years ago to Creed Bratton as part of some, is what he did in, in music and touring. Okay, well, this is this is all the more reason for me to pay more attention to The Office or begin to binge it, because when I hear Creed, my first reference, again, my uh -huh. brain goes right to the rock band Creed and sure. Scott Stapp, and that's not a place generally if you are a self-respecting rock fan you do not want to be thinking about creed so i've got to get that out of my brain for first reference and i'm sorry to the millions of creed fans that are out there with your eyes wide open and you're being dramatic uh but you know i bet i bet trash panda is a big creed fan so i'm sorry adam stitzinski i know you're a creed guy is he yeah is he a creed guy he, he is he is hey so well I, I, I did bad. listen to Creed back in the day that because they were so big, man. I'm not going to claim to be a Creed fan still, but back yeah. in the day, everybody was listening to Creed. It's like people that deny being NSYNC or Backstreet Boys fans. Like You know you were crazy about that band at some point in time, and so I would be lying if I told you that I didn't listen to some Creed back in the day. I, th I don't know if I had the CD. <laughs> I don't know if I had the CD or not, but I know someone that had the CD for sure. Well, I feel like this is where I was lucky to have been a big grunge fan because those of us who who are actually lived in that era, we don't really recognize Creed or Scott Stapp because it was like a, a horrible, bad version of of grunge. So, yeah, I, 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 I can honestly say, look, I've liked bad music in the past, but I, I can honestly say Creed was not one of the bands that I ever got into. Okay, I got I got a suggestion for you, Mark, before we break and get ready for Bob Costas. You uh, certainly have the time and opportunity now to binge The Office. And yes, I would I think that you and Brian Mitchell should do a let's let me put together a list. Let me put a list together for your podcast. Watch The Office and then rate The Office characters one through ten. Oh, top, that's great. Top ten characters. And mine will be Kevin and you'll see why. Okay. But, that's my, that's my choice. But I think you should rate the office characters after you binge this thing. Done. I'm actually I just started uh, binging Shit's Creek, so that's that's where I am right now. That's a good one. That's a good one, Catherine O'Hara. She's a treasure. Love her. All right, we're <laughs> going to take a break and we will talk to uh, the sports version of America's teenager, Bob Costas. We will talk about the Sosa McGuire documentary on ESPN tomorrow. We'll talk to him about the state of baseball. Such as it is, we will talk to the man who's arguably the announcer of a generation. Next, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.